Um, I, so I have a little story to tell you guys, and it's not, it's, there's no, there's no spiritually redeeming quality in the story I'm going to tell you real quick. I just have to tell you because I thought it was funny. So I went to Starbucks last night to study, and, um, because when I'm at home, I get too distracted, right, and uh, I'm bossing Josh around, I'm like, no, no, you can't do this, and, and I'm telling Sophia to get her room cleaned up, so anyways, I went to Starbucks to study, <clears throat> and I'm sitting there, and um, I'm like, okay, I got, I'm in my zone, I got my stuff, I got my coffee, and um, sure enough, this guy comes and sits down next to me, and um, he starts talking to me, and it was, I think he was just really desperate, because he was hitting on me, but I had no makeup, I hadn't showered that day, and I, I just, I looked, I looked nasty, and I smelled even worse, okay, so, <laughs> but I'm there, because I'm like, I gotta get my studying done for my sermon, right, <clears throat> so I'm there, and he starts chatting, he's like, oh, what are you in school for, and I was like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm not in school, and, uh, and I said, I'm actually, I'm actually studying, I'm preparing a message for tomorrow, I'm, I'm preaching, he's like, oh, but, so what do you do, I'm like, I'm a pastor, no joke, <clears throat> he just, his, his jaw dropped, <clears throat> and, um, and, and he goes, <laughs> he goes, oh, I didn't know they make them like you, and I was like, <laughs> so I just was like, yeah, yes, yes, I don't know, if, is that a compliment, or how should I, so I just said yes, he's like, oh, I just didn't know that they looked like you, you, that, and I was like, all right, well, anyways, nice to meet you. I'm going to go ahead and get back to studying and stuff. So anyways, there was, I told you there was nothing spiritually redeeming. But I, all, all I'll say is I'm glad God is sovereign and he gets to choose who he gets to use. You know, amen? Amen. So I was like, yeah, they like me. They look like me. So, <laughs> All right, anyway, so let's focus. Let's get our thinking caps on. So we have a lot of territory to cover. We are going to be looking at Matthew 12 and 13. 12 and 13 are pivotal in the book of Matthew because it's at chapter 12, the Pharisees kind of really take a clear side, and not only take a clear side, they take action, and then that kind of impacts Jesus' ministry mode, how he decides to do ministry from that point on, all right? So it's, this is kind of like... And things have been building, tension has been building between the Pharisees, who are the religious leaders of the day, and Jesus from chapter 9 in Matthew. Because Jesus just, he just comes out and he's like, that's right, you know, this is what I am. There's no pretext, there's no, he's not trying to hide who he is, he's just doing his thing, right? Okay, so. With that said, so what we're going to do, for those of you that are like, what's the game plan? I like to know what's the game plan. This is the game plan. Um, because there are so many verses, we are gonna, I'm going to have us read certain chunks in chapter 12 and 13. So we're not going to read it all together. But what I am going to do this week, probably Wednesday, realistically, I'm going to put notes that I have from because we're going to be going over some weird, funky stuff. We're even studying it. I was like, what, what in the world? Like, why would you put this in the Bible? This is so confusing. I don't understand. But so I will have notes for stuff that I don't cover up on our website um, under my blog spot on, on the church website if you want to dive into some stuff more. So what I'm saying is there's stuff we're not going to cover, and you might be like, what the heck? What the what? But that's okay. It's okay. I'm going to try and hit the high points. All right, so 
let's go ahead. We're going to start reading um, this uh, chapter 12. Verse, we're going to do one chapter, or verse 1 through 8, chapter 12. Ready? Begin. Okay. Um, I'll read. You guys can follow along. <laughs> Um, Okay, at that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry and began to pick some heads of grain and eat them. When the Pharisees saw this, they said, they said to him, look, your disciples are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. He answered, haven't you read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? Verse 4, he entered the house of God and he and his companions ate the consecrated bread which was not lawful them, lawful for them to do, but only for the priests. Or haven't you read in the law that the priests on Sabbath duty in the temple desecrate the Sabbath and yet are innocent? <clears throat> I tell you that something greater than the temple is here. If you had known that what these words mean, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, you would have not condemned the innocent. For the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. Okay. Okay, let's just, let's, we're on a roll. Let's just go 9 and 10. Going on from that place, he, that's Jesus, went into their synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Looking for a reason to bring charges against Jesus, they asked him, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? All right, so we just, this kind of, we just get launched right into this scenario, right? <clears throat> So Jesus and his guys have just done ministry somewhere, and they're traveling, okay? And because there are no hummus drive throughs or, you know, there's no, there's no deli that they can pop into to get a quick bite, they walk through the grain fields, and they're grabbing the heads of, of wheat to eat as a snack, okay? So they're grabbing the wheat, and then they're kind of just doing this, and then eating the, the, the kernels. Now, the Pharisees, first of all, I'd just like to point out, who has time? These are the religious leaders of the day, the Pharisees, okay? And they are hell-bent on catching Jesus up and backing him into a corner and saying, see, he's a phony, he's a fake, he's completely against what we stand for. He's not the real deal. We are, okay? So they're following Jesus and his, and, and, and his disciples, as they're plucking the, the, and they're like, okay, we got him. We got him. We got Jesus. Jesus is plucking and working and doing stuff on the Sabbath. For the Jews, the Sabbath was sacred, okay? It was instituted by God, the Sabbath was. But the Jewish people, and particularly the Jewish leaders, took it to the nth degree and delineated how many times you could wash your hands. Um, how did you wash your hands? What was considered work? What wasn't considered work? Okay? And so the funny thing is Jesus, so they think they got Jesus, right? Because they're like, you were picking grain, and you were, you know, threshing it out in your hands. That's work. We got you. And notice how Jesus comes back at them. So they're like, we got you. They're like, you can take path A or path B. And Jesus comes back at them, and he's like, oh, really now? He's like, I'm coming up with a choice C. Okay, and so in uh, verse 3, we see that he's like, oh, well, let's talk. This was a common way that teachers in the day, rabbis, taught. 
So they ask him a question, and he comes back at them with, guess what? A question. And he's like, well, did you know? And what he's doing is he's kind of like, oh, you want to play this game? Guess what? I wrote the scripture so I can quote scripture to you. Let's go. Let's do this. Okay. So he, he talks about how David and his guys took the bread that, that was supposed to be consecrated to God, okay? In the temple, I don't know why, but they just they took the bread there. It was dedicated to God. Nobody else was to touch it. The priests, after the consecration, could come on the Sabbath, and that was their food. That was their meal. So that was okay. But Jesus is like, hey, Pharisees, guess what? Did you know that David did this? And did you know that the uh, priests were actually breaking the Sabbath? Because they're actually working when they're supposed to be resting. So hello. Okay. Jesus is also trying to get the Pharisees to, to no avail, to see the incongruity of their belief system. They are what, and, and here's, I want us to stop and think about it. What kind of person does it take to follow somebody else around with, you know, with pen and paper and to be like, oh, you blew it. You didn't do it this way. You, you blew it. You did this wrong. You did this wrong. It's what the Pharisees are doing. They are just, they're following, I don't know about you guys, but I ask myself, I can barely get myself dressed in the morning sometimes, I'll be honest, I don't even shower, I use Lysol wipes <laughs> and, and dry hair shampoo, and then I gotta go, because it's mom life, you know what I'm saying? I, where do they get the time to follow Jesus and his disciples around and keep track of what they're doing? We're gonna catch them, we're gonna catch them, Right? These are the religious leaders of the day, though. These guys are saying, walk like us, talk like us. This is what you want to be like. Bless you. And Jesus comes along, and we'll see in chapter in, uh, 1234, he calls them a brood of vipers publicly. He's not like, can we, can we go to this other side room and chat? I have something to tell you. He just flat out calls them on the crap in front of everybody. And so uh, what I want us to focus on in this little section that we've read here is verse 7. And I just love it because Jesus is like, oh, you want to quote scripture? Check out this scripture. He says, if you had known what these words mean, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, you would have not condemned the innocent. Okay, that is a quote from Hosea 6.6, okay? And what Jesus is doing too by quoting the Old Testament, is he's trying to show the, um, the Pharisees, he's like, I'm just as legit a teacher as you are. I know the Old Testament backward and forward. You want to do this? Let's go toe-to-toe. -to -toe. But then what he does is, he says, he's like, do you know what the meaning of these words are? Do you get what they're saying? Because I don't think you get it. You're so caught up in your rules. And, you know, and crossing your T's and dotting your I's that you have missed the heart of what I have laid out for you in my law. The law that God gave the Israelites was never meant to be a tool for uh, reaching God's status. It was a tool to show them how short all of us fall we can never be good enough. We can never wash our hands the right way. We can never sing enough worship songs 
or preach enough sermons or read our Bible enough to purify ourselves. That alone is God's domain. That alone comes from the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit. And the Pharisees completely miss it. They're so, their identity is wrapped up with the temple and with their roles. They have lost sight of the fact that they are supposed to be representing God in their society. And Jesus, I think that's why he comes out raging, because he's like, you have misrepresented my heart to the people. This is not who I am. He is a righteous God. He is a holy God, for sure. But he's a gracious and loving God. And so what I love is, you know what Jesus does? So he has these words, this interaction, very publicly, right? So Jesus takes it a step further. And what does he do? Let's find out. 9 and 10. Going from that place, so where he's just debated with the, um, the Pharisees, they're publicly debating, right? He goes where? He goes into their synagogue. And a man with a shriveled hand was there. Verse 10, looking for a reason to bring charges against Jesus, they asked him, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? So what I love is Jesus is like, oh, I'm not finished making my point about showing mercy and what the true meaning of Scripture is and what you're truly supposed to be doing. So instead of them ministering to people, I just love it. There's so much happening in these short verses. So instead of them ministering to this guy who we find out from extra biblical resources that he was actually, he was um, the stonemason, when they think for the temple, the synagogue here, okay? He was unable to work because his hand was shriveled up. So that means if he had a family, he couldn't feed his family, he was a beggar, he couldn't do anything to support himself. So basically in that culture, it's not like here where you've got different options. He was, he was living off of charity. And, and especially in this culture, very patriarchal culture, if you didn't bring home the bacon, you didn't have a job, you were worthless. So this man has completely lost all identity, all purpose. And who's helping him? Is it the Pharisees? Is it the religious leaders of the day? No. And what I love is Jesus is like, there's a guy in your midst who needs help, and you're not helping him. And so Jesus is like, I'm going to help him. And so not only does Jesus, he doesn't set up an appointment for a healing later. He's like, I'm gonna, let's, let's talk midweek maybe. Come into my office and we'll, I'll do some healing and stuff. Jesus on the spot heals this guy. And I just, the, the Hungarian in me loves that about Jesus. That he's just like, oh, you want to go? Let's go. Okay, so in marriage counseling, I know that you guys are probably going to be like, what? But Josh and I just discovered I am the, the fighter in the relationship, and he's, he's more of the peaceable one. So, so the fighter in me loves this. Jesus is like, really? Let's go at this. And I love what he does is he's the temple. He's the reason, period, right? And I love that he's like, I'm going. And it says, it doesn't say that he went into the synagogue or a synagogue or his synagogue. He's he goes into their synagogue. 
And this is how it should be with Jesus. Jesus invades our safety zones. He invades our rituals. He invades our space. And he disrupts it. He disrupts our comfortable life. So I guess here's a little t- the, t- the tie-in maybe to redeem what I, about the story about the homeless guy. I was, I was seriously like, I just, I just need to go somewhere and just study and just be like zoned in on that, right? And so I was sitting there and it was going well for a while. And then and I was reading this about God invading our space. This guy sits down and I'm like, oh, God, are you kidding me? And I felt like Jesus was like, well, guess what? Mako, you got to practice what you preach. So I was like, oh, yeah, I love this guy. But I just love how Jesus is like, Pharisees, I'm messing up your plan. You totally missed the boat. Your identity is so wrapped up in your laws and defending something empty. And I think a lot of times as believers, we can get caught up in ritual ourselves. It's easy. It's super easy. I've done it. But God's like, I, I desire your heart. I desire relationship. And it's not, this is not cheesy 21st century stuff. This is the heart of God. And I just love it. I just love it. Okay, let's move on. All right. So, um, let's, I want to cover chapter, or, uh, so chapter 12, 30 and 32. Uh, verse 30 says, whoever is not with me is against me. So this is Jesus is still interacting with the Pharisees, right? And he's healed this guy, right? And they're like, your power comes from Satan. And he goes around with them. They, okay, so Jesus just, and this is, I just love this. He said, he doesn't mince words. He doesn't tiptoe around the point. He just calls them out on their junk. Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. And so I tell you, every kind of sin and slander can be forgiven, but blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. Well, I don't know about you guys, but this is encouraging, and this brings good news. Does it say most kinds of sin and slander, 99%? No. It says every. We serve a gracious and good God. Okay. So it's like, okay, well, okay. All right, that's great. Okay, cool. But then we get into 32. Um, anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will not be forgiven, but anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or the age to come. What? So we just talked about every kind of sin could be forgiven. Now, remember, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, okay? And we, what we'll see is, um, well, we missed it. I missed it. But in verse 14, the Pharisees have moved from annoyance and being confrontational with Jesus to basically putting a hit job out on Jesus. And I would say that that probably indicates a heart condition that is beyond repair. They are so 
consumed with contempt and hate for Jesus. That they, they move from emotion to action. That's why we have to pay attention and check our emotions. That's why the Bible talks about, think about what you're thinking about. Thoughts, you know, emotion leads to thoughts, and thoughts will drive us to action. And so Jesus here, when he talks about the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, I think that is a posture that says, up yours, God, screw you, peace out. And that's not just where you get angry or upset with God or you flail at God. This is, this is, a, this is a mindset. And the Pharisees have this mindset. Now, why does it say against the Holy Spirit? The, whole, the job of the Holy Spirit is to seal us in Christ, right? The, and the idea in the Greek is that he's like our down payment. So, you know, if you see, I don't know, what are some things you can put a down? Like a car, right? Or a house. You put a down payment to say, oh, we're coming back for the rest. This, we're committed. We got money on the line. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He seals us and marks us for Christ. And when we deny that, we're saying, no, you're not welcome. That's it. But it's a heart condition. Like Pharaoh, you just get so hardened. And, and God has been, Jesus has been interacting with the Pharisees. So it's not like he's like, oh, well, I'll give you two chances. Mm -mm. Jesus had been working with them and talking with them, and they move to premeditated murder. And so this section here is talking about if you have such a hardness of heart where you block the work of the Holy Spirit, there is no hope. Now, I hope that you guys, none of you in here have taken that posture. And I know for us in our culture, Having such black and white stuff is hard. But here it is. Jesus is like, what's your heart condition? Are you, and I, I know it's easy in our culture to go around and say, this person smokes too much or they swear too much. Um, and it's, I'm not talking about greasy grace at all. What I'm saying is that we're all a work in progress. And Jesus calls us, to tend our own garden and not be like the Pharisees that are expending all this energy following Jesus and they miss the guy in their midst who's got a crippled hand and he needs healing. He needs help. His family probably needs food. And I think often we can get caught up in that, the ritual of it. And we can kind of check things off our list and be like, we do this, this, and this. But God's like, what's your heart? Where's your heart? I want to see what your heart looks like. When Sophia was little, and Josh and I, you know, had our smartphones, she one day, she was like four or five. And we'd go out and do family dinners, right? And, you know, Josh and I'd be on our phone, phones, doing stuff. And She's like, you know, she goes, I'm really, one night we we're tucking her into dinner, or to bed after dinner, and um, we'd gone out and gotten pizza. And she's like, you know, she goes, 
I'm mad at you and daddy. And I was like, what? She goes, you guys just, she goes, we, we go out, but we're not together, really. She goes, you and daddy aren't there with me. You're like on your phones. She's like, I want us to be family and talk. And I think God is like that. He's like, you go do stuff, and you say it's for me. But who's it really for? God wants our heart, which, which sometimes is harder. It's harder to give God our heart than it is to do service and do things for God, right? Yeah. All right. Okay, so um, we're going to move on real quick. So... Also, too, in verse 34, 1234, Jesus calls them a brood of vipers. (laughs) And he's like, how can you who are evil, so he calls them evil, say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. And I think, once again, Jesus is so irate. They were supposed to be the gatekeepers and the protectors, right? People should have been able to look at them and say, oh, these guys are taking care of people. They're loving on people. They're not condemning people. And I think Jesus is so irate because he's like, you misrepresented my heart to these people. And now everybody thinks that following God is about checking off boxes and rules and what you blew and what you didn't blow. And he's like, that, and I just, I I think I get it as a parent, you know. Don't be hurting my child. I'll come after you. And I think Jesus is the same way. He's like, you hurt my people, you stupid Pharisees, your stupid religion. All right. Okay, so um, what we're going to do is move on. Okay, so there's the sign of Jonah, which is kind of a weird thing, too. Uh, Let me just go over this, too. So let's do 1238. Uh, Then some of the Pharisees and teachers of the law said to him, teacher, we want to see a sign from you. And Jesus answers, a wicked and adulterous generation asks for a sign, but none will be given it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. All right. And then Jesus goes into this whole thing about the men of Nineveh and the queen of the south. Okay, so what's going on? It seems like the Pharisees, this is a legitimate request, right? Hey, Jesus, okay, can we see some proof of who you are? Here's the deal. That was bogus. Jesus had been interacting with them and doing ministry left and right. And I think at this point, this is where his trajectory kind of shifts. Because remember, and why does he call them an adulterous generation for asking for a miracle like this? Here's the deal. There was the Abrahamic um, covenant that God made with Abraham, right? And he said, Abraham, through your seed and through your family, I'm going to bless the whole world, but it's, it's going to come through the Israelites because Jesus is going to come through the Israelites and he's going to redeem the whole world, right? Okay. And so God made this covenant with them, and we don't get covenant in our Western culture. It is something that is so binding, it is only broken through death. And yet, we see the Pharisees, they've confused willfully confused the heart of what God's talking about with the law. The law becomes their idol. The law becomes their spouse. 
instead of Yahweh being their spouse. And so that's why he's so harsh. And when he turns them down and says, I'm not going to show you another sign. I've given you plenty of signs. He's not being cruel, and he's not, he's not cutting them off at the knees. It's because he's like, I'm not a dog and pony show. I'm, I'm holy. And I'm going to go minister to people where it counts, who have open, receptive hearts. And so that's why God just kind of shuts them down. Not because he's being a jerk or not because he's not being gracious, but he's like, I, I'm wasting my time here. Your hearts, you have blasphemed the Holy Spirit. My work here is done. There's no open, there's no, there's no fertile soil in your hearts, Pharisees. You're done. All right. So let's move on. Okay. I want us to look at the parable of this, the weeds. So Jesus in chapter 13, so move to chapter 13. In the course of chapter 13, there's eight parables. So I hope you guys don't have anything to do after church, right? We're all good to stay here for another two hours. Just kidding. All right. We're just going to read this one parable together, not out loud. I'll read. You guys can read yourselves. Raise your hand. Um, So chapter 13, and this is parable number two out of the eight. Uh, So verse 24, Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. Okay, these weeds are not just your regular standard weeds. These are called the tares, T-A-R-E-S which um, in this part of the world, can we bring up the picture real quick of the, the, um, they were just mixed in the soil, okay? And I don't know if you guys don't have an agricultural background, but we have stuff on the right and stuff on the left. Can you guys tell which is which? So here's the deal. In this, we'll, we'll keep the picture up. We'll just go on and read the scripture here. Okay, so um, 18, right? No. Okay, um, let's pick up with 26, so 13, 26. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. Verse 27, the owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where? Then did the weeds come from? And he replies, an enemy did this. The servants asked him, do you want us to go and pull them up? And he says, no, because while you are pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. Okay, so let's break this down real quick. And also, Jesus breaks it down for us later on in chapter 13. But so the only way to tell these apart was at harvest time. At harvest time, the real wheat, you know, the kernels came out, and you could tell which was bigger and browner. And what's interesting is the tares, so the poser wheat, we'll just call it the fake 
poser wheat, poser wheat, you know, like, okay. The poser wheat, so the interesting thing is when these, his servants are like, so should we just go pull up the weeds? And what's interesting is the poser wheat not only looked the same, it's not when it was growing in the ground, it was just right next to the good wheat. It actually t- entangled itself with the wheat roots. So if you were to pull out the bad, the poser wheat, you'd be pulling out the good wheat. And so the master, who is Jesus, says, no, let them just grow side by side. So here's the thing. And and God also says, no, he'll have his servants pull them later. And when Jesus breaks it down further on in, in chapter 13, we find out that those are the angels. So God, at the end of the age, will decide who gets plucked and who doesn't. Now, I don't want this. I don't want you guys to think, oh, am I going to get plucked and live in uncertainty? That's not the point. The point of this message and how it relates to the Pharisees is what kind of fruit are we producing? We may look like wheat, we might smell like wheat, but what is our fruit? What are we producing? Are we producing wheat kernels? And what I love about this is while Jesus clearly lays out in the New Testament how we're supposed to behave, how we're supposed to conduct ourselves, right? He doesn't get caught up. There's, there's no checklist that we have to carry around, praise Jesus, and be like, okay, are, are, is my skirt the right length? Okay, do I have uh, too much makeup on? Uh, do I, um, I don't know, did I say too many bad words today? We don't have to go around like that because Jesus is like, I'm concerned about the condition of your heart. And what I love here is that God's like, no, don't worry about pulling up the weeds right now. Let them grow alongside the real weeds. And isn't that how it is in our world? We're we're side by side with people that have nasty roots. And what I love about this is that God's like, don't be like the Pharisees and stick your nose in somebody else's mess. You stay in your lane. You tend your garden. I will take care of the rest. What's your fruit? What kind of fruit are you producing? And I think this is a particularly poignant message for us today when everybody, we're like, we live in an offense-happy culture. And I think there's stuff that's come out that's been good, like the Me Too movement, that's been good. But there's other stuff where we're, we're just, we're so, I don't know, like, you said this and it hurt me, and I'm not for being jerks at all. But I feel like Jesus is like, look, tend your soil. Look to your soil. Don't be so concerned about what your neighbor's doing. Or if they're wheat or a tear, you focus on your plot of land. And what kind of fruit are we producing? The rest of these go on, these these parables here talk about, you know, what is your, what's the fruit? And Jesus hounds on this point over and over and over again. He's like, what kind of fruit? What kind of fruit? What are you producing? What are you producing? So I want to challenge you this week, wherever you are, if you're in line at the gas station, 
you're in a Costco line, which those can test your faith, amen, right? <laughs> or if you're at Starbucks and you're trying to study and some guy is sitting next to you talking, you don't want to be talking because you need to be studying. Are we brace, are we grace bringers? I could have been a total tool to that guy. I've been like, look, I'm studying. You need to be quiet. I did say it. I said it in a nice way. God calls us to be the light in the world, the salt and the light. He'll take care of the poser Christians. You don't worry about that. You worry about your fruit. What, what kind of aroma? When you walk into a place, I want us to be known as people that when we walk into a place, we carry the presence of God. And it's not that we have to be praying and look holy. We shouldn't have to use words. Our demeanor, how we carry ourselves should speak volumes. You know, do we have like that, that sweet thing about us where people are like, why are you different? What's different about you? You, you just come into a place and there's just something that shifts. You shift the atmosphere. What is that? And I think in this culture and in this climate right now, we have a real opportunity to bear good fruit and to shine our light. Not to be going around like the scribes and the Pharisees calling people on their crap, but being light bringers and influencers, kingdom influencers. You know, the other part of this that I didn't get into was the kingdom of God. It's like not yet and to come, but then it's here. Guess what? Guess how it gets here? It's us. The kingdom of God gets expressed through us when we extend grace to people, when we are kind. I'm not advocating, we're not called to be doormats. But God does call us to be grace dispensers. And I challenge you this week, ask God to help you bear fruit that changes your atmosphere, changes the climate where you're at. We're it. We get to be the kingdom bringers. Amen? All right, let me have the band and the ushers come up. This week, I encourage you guys, look for opportunities to be grace bringers. To be the bringers of light. All right, Pastor Josh. Oh, yeah, yeah. All right, that was such a good word. My take home is don't be poser week. <laughs> I don't want to be poser week. Or poser oatmeal or poser, poser, poser rice. Poser millet. Poser millet. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, right now, we thank you so much for this good word. And I pray that what we heard today will just resonate in us all week long. We will be that light to this world. And that our, our church and the way that we congregate will continue to be light in this world, in this dark place. So Father, right now, as we give back to you, God, may we just give with a grateful and a thankful heart. And may we just realize that in your peace and in your presence and in your church comes peace a peace that transcends everything. So, Father God, as we, as we give back to you, we, we say thank you for, for that peace and for that provision. 
And may this church continue to grow. May it continue to be an influence. May it continue to function in areas of favor that we just don't understand. So God, we are so thankful and grateful for the work that you've done in our lives. We say yes and amen to more. God bless you guys as you give back to the Lord.